When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome everyone to Rock M Radio. This is the beginning of a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. Uh, we've been here for six seasons. This is your 34th episode of season six. And of course, we're here to talk about your Missouri Tigers. Uh, I am your host, Sam Selling. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see me on your left. Uh, please take a moment to hit the like button below. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, so we can help this channel grow a bit. Uh, with me, um, first time in a couple weeks from the plains of Indiana, Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? I'm running out of bigs to watch, Sam. I think it, it only took seven weeks, but I think I think we've done it. I think we've run out of bigs for me to watch for research. But yes, so uh, last week you were not on the pod. Um, Matt Watkins was on the pod, and we talked about the possibility of West Virginia transfer Jimmy Bell. A lot of people seem to think, including us, that uh, it was heading in a direction of a Jimmy Bell and University of Missouri marriage. Um, one problem, he had a layover in Starkville and stuck it out. He just stayed there. He didn't come. He didn't. He didn't leave. So, no. it's it's a <laughs> it's a small and inviting community in Starkville. They do have a nice little some nice little charming place to eat downtown. Um, the campus is pretty compact, you know, and uh, the hump kind of has that nice throwback vibe to like 1975. So it's fantastic. I could see if he landed in Starkville. Why would you leave? Why if, if, the, if you you know if you've done time over well. Tell, we <laughs> know just o overwhelmed with the silence of Starkville, but no, it's you know I I think you and I both had mixed emotions about the decision. You know, if Jimmy Bell had committed to Missouri, you know what that would have meant and the implications of it. I think everyone knows that you know Missouri could very much use you know some support in the front court. It could use a proven big. But then I think, you know, you're at the, you know, counterweight of is this person, you know, going to match, you know, what you need. And realistically, you know, now we're six, seven, eight weeks into this transfer portal season. You know, you don't really get to, you know, parse those fine distinctions. It's sort of can this person supply the base, you know, requisite need that you have, which is to rebound and give you some minutes defensively. So was Jimmy a perfect scheme fit? No. Was, you know, Jimmy going to be able to, I think, supply them some of the things they needed? Yes. But I, I don't think, and I don't think anyone, you know, at our site or even in the fan base thought this was like a seamless fit. But the question was how much of, you know, 
what Missouri needed was going to be supplied by Jimmy Bell. I don't think we'll know, but I think the, the fit in Starkville with what Chris Chance does, you know, is a little bit easier for him. And I do think if Jimmy Bell was looking for a bigger offensive role, you know, Mississippi State does play through the post a bit more. They're going to play off the post a bit more. There might be a better fit there for him. So it's, it's you know, push and pull there, but Missouri still has ample minutes it would like to give to people. It's out that Villanova has minutes it would like to give to a big man. TCU would love to give minutes to a big man. St. John's found someone today that they will give minutes to. So Missouri's not the only one in this situation, but I get the anxiety. I get the tension. You know, it, it is what it is. It's it's almost the end of May. You, you'd like the roster to be rounded out by now. And there is still a, a key need there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been one of those situations where, um, yeah, the, the, the longer this goes on, the, I think the more anxiety is built out of, you know, like what fans are kind of reacting to. Um, you know, if, if Jimmy Bell rejects you, at the end of March instead of the beginning of May, your reaction is going to be a lot different. Um, you know, the truth is, is, you know, last week, uh, you know, the other Matt and I were discussing how we just, it seems like out of place that, uh, that, you know, Bell and Missouri were sort of headed for this, uh, you know, the, the, this meetup and this, uh, connection and, and, you know, even though it's just like, yeah, you recognize the the need on the roster, uh, and what sort of, you know, what Jimmy Bell provides. He's he's big, he rebounds, um, yeah, he can he can bang, um, but he doesn't provide Dennis Gates what Dennis Gates wants at that position. Uh, yeah, is he a better, more impactful, you know, player than? Jesus Carlero, I mean, he's a different player. Uh, and, you know, Carlero is being asked to step up from a mid-major league into a uh, very athletic high-major league. Um, you know, so I don't... I I can understand Missouri fans who are not necessarily inspired by, uh, you know, the interior moves that, that uh, Missouri has made uh, through the transfer portal. Um you know, they, we, we've talked about it at nauseum. You know, they, they went hard after Caden Shedrick. Like, Shedrick was the guy that they wanted, the guy that we all thought was, like, the perfect fit and didn't get him. And then the pivot uh, has not been great. Uh, and, you know, again, and I, I do think that, you know, Carl Arrow is a guy who can be serviceable in, in a limited role. Um, but if he's your starting five next year, like I'm not, I'm not feeling too great about that position, <laughs> you know. But realistically, like you know, and, and again, like this, so much hinges on what Kobe Brown is going to do. I think you know, we we sort of expect he's going to stay in the draft. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute, um, you know. But you you, I feel great about this roster, like positions one through four. Yeah, it's you know, it, even if even if Kobe Brown stays in the draft, like I, I look at one through four, I'm like, man, like this is this is a good roster. Yeah, they they've done everything. You know, I think the one thing I've attempted to do is write like a piece that says, here's what they needed to do in the offseason. Step one, they needed to get more guard depth. They've done that. 
they've and they've got a diverse set of guards. You know, Caleb Grill's more of a straight floor spacer. Tamar Bates can play a combo, and slide to that you know two and three spot, and then John Tanji can slide to the three and four, and all of them can shoot. So you can mix and match. They can fit wherever they need to go. The guards were fine, and so they've given themselves some flexibility in the backcourt that they lacked down the stretch, and they found shooting. Absolutely. I, I don't think there's any question that they absolutely hit those moves out of the park. Particularly if you're going to bring Isaiah Mosley back. You've got your alpha scorer, and you've got guards who are good at initiating offense. They've done a great job at spots one through three. Four is going to be a little bit tricky if Kobe Brown doesn't come back. But five. Five was the spot where, you know, Noel Carter did a decent enough job. You know, his you know his performance ratings were solid for a high major guy. But the way Missouri defends and how they want to play in ball screens and what they're going to ask their bigs to do and just what they do scheme-wise, you know, I have doubts that, you know, Jesus Carolaro can step up to that. You know, there's just, you know, I've watched him, you know, Missouri cited how he played in high major games and his, you know, performance there. I've watched those games. Was, you know, his first step, his first slide's a little slow. You can beat him off the bounce. You know, he's a guy who I think, you know, you can, you know, move on the interior a little bit. It's just, he's a guy that you got for offensive skill and facilita- and facilitating. He's not a guy that I think you can bring in and, you know, rely on him as maybe a defensive big. And that's just what it is. And, you know, maybe Jesus will prove me wrong, but that's this was a move that felt more like a depth move that you put in behind a starting big. And they just yeah. haven't gotten that. They have not gotten it. And even if they had gotten Jimmy Bell, I think it would have been a stopgap move so you could just say, okay, Jordan Butler is in no or doing the best they can, but we gotta we gotta throw some beef out there. And that would have been Jimmy. They don't have that. So I I you know I'm always preaching, you know, patience and see what the Ross looks like when it's done. Well, we're getting to the end of it now. So if I think you can be a little bit harsher in the critiques of what's happened in the front court. They just haven't found what they've needed. And look, I'm I'm not gonna tell people that this pivot has been sort of awkward to watch for them since they've brought Jimmy Bell as sort of their, their backup option in play. Just has not exactly been, you know, one that, that that's inspired a lot of confidence. Um, they've got, you know, I'm looking here, there have been about 25-plus guys who have committed since Caden Chedrick went off the board. And there are guys that could have helped them. And, you know, I, those options I don't think were fully explored. So they've got a couple weeks left. They, You know, we'll see what they do, but I understand that people are feeling anxiety and, you know, want to start leveling, leveling some criticisms. I don't think, given where the calendar is and sort of what the construction looks like, that those are off base right now. Well, so when uh, when Zuby at GF4 uh, committed to St. John's today, he was the, the last guy, and I'm going to choose my words carefully here, he was the last guy that we had in our transfer tracker that has... Uh, that there was public reporting on Missouri having contacted him. Uh, Ajia Fork committed to St. John's, Bell committed to Mississippi State, uh, Elijah Hutchins and Ripetts, um, Austin P. transfer committed to uh, Seton Hall, Jamarian Sharp uh, ended up at Ole Miss, Caden Shedrick to Texas, Grammy K. to Gonzaga. 
Jesse Edwards to West Virginia, uh, Kalel Ware, uh, Indiana, Easton Mustafa to TCU, uh, Micah Hedlogton, uh, went to Florida, uh, Fardaz went to Cal, Eddie Lampkin to Colorado, Isaac Trout to Creighton, Peyton Sparks to Indiana, uh, and then the last post that we have is Carolero to Missouri. Um, also a couple combo forwards, BJ Mack, uh, ended up at South Carolina and Johnny O'Neill, uh, shows Santa Clara. Um, it doesn't leave a whole lot of people out there. There's, there are still a few, uh, names. You brought up a couple in your piece today. One of them was, uh, Ernest Uday, um, who is a, another Kansas transfer, uh, GFR was, was, uh, the first of, of two, uh, K transfers that they lost, uh, once they added Hunter Dickinson. Um, but it doesn't seem like Missouri is in the picture with Uday, at least so far. Yeah. Nothing has been reported publicly and we haven't, you know, picked up anything that indicates that there's been contact or, you know, even sort of like a reach out that's happened there. I mean, realistically, you know, I, I said today that there were probably, I said yesterday, there were probably 10 to 15 names that, you know, you could reasonably look at. Well, that has changed, you know, uh, you know, from the time that I sent that, we saw that, you know, I think Lusa Cisse came off the board, Naheem McLeod, a guy who was kind of a, with the lower end of that spectrum came off the board and the GF4 came off the board. Connor Vanover is, you know, probably the next guy that's a mid-major transfer. That you can look like at. We remember well. We remember well. Jeremiah Tillman uh, abused him a little bit. Yeah, and people loved having Connor in space. So, like, the metrics looked really good playing for a good role Roberts team, but I saw Connor Vanover for two years in the SEC. So, I understand that people are skeptical there. You know, there are some guys maybe kind of in that weird hybrid funky four spot that you might want to look at, like a Jay Powell, but he's taking a visit to San Diego State. There's you know, a guy that, you know, people have thrown out for a while, then Alan Lubin, a Notre Dame transfer, but there's, you know, some you know, reporting that, you know, he may be, you know, on track to wind up at Vanderbilt. So really what you wind up with at this point are Uday, who they have not had reported contact with. There's Washington State transfer, former four-star, Adrame DeYoung, who went in last week. Low usage, low minutes, you know, looks really great, has great physical tools, but, you know, maybe a little bit longer development time there. And that's, you know, really it at this point. There's, you know, you could go even further into the hole and look at, you know, uh, Mikel Mitchell, who's, a, you know, probably a grad transfer from Arkansas. You could look at Mac Etienne, who was a really highly rated recruit, but, you know. Mikel Mitchell would be kind of fun just because we could have some Mitchell on Mitchell action. Yeah, there could uh, be some, next hey, year. some sibling rivalry, literally, uh, on the borderline. Because uh, Mikel is in the portal and Mackay is back. Mackay is returning to Arkansas. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, those guys have been attached to the hip, you know, their entire college career. So it's like, it was a little surprising to see one go in, not the other. You know, maybe they decided that, you know, it was time to stop being conjoined. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so, there's, but, there's just not, you're, you're not running. I'm reading the spreadsheet here. You're just not seeing the kind of options that really jump off the page at you. Maybe the last one is Isaiah Miranda, you know, a former top 50 prospect, but he didn't play at all after enrolling early at NC State, but he's exploring his draft stock and 
I think there's some G League stuff happening. Uh, uh, some G League stuff potentially there. Yeah. So it's like realistically, if you're watching this and you're listening to it and we're sounding like we're struggling, it's because if there were, you know, a plethora of options, we would have been taking them off by now. So it's, well, we, we both do like, you know, sort of like the high ceiling upside of a guy like a drama. And I, I do think that you could get a, away with a lot with bringing on a, you know, but I was also a guy that I really thought they should, they should, you know, look at Damian Collins. Um, you know, I know like, I know Collins isn't like the high skill guy that, you know, you want necessarily, but he's really athletic. Uh, and if you watch him shoot the ball, like he's got the mechanics to be a decent shooter. Uh, he shoots the ball well from the free throw line. Um, you know, I think I think the tools are there for him to to be better than he's been. But you know, like he's really kind of been stuck a little bit, uh, you know, behind you know the national player of the year uh, yeah. at Kentucky, and so it's been hard for him to find minutes. And so much of Kentucky's offense was, uh, you know, was based around Oscar Sheboy and. Uh, you know, and so even getting Collins just, you know, spot minutes here and there was, was, was difficult. Um, you know, and when that happens, I really feel like, you know, especially guys that are in a position like Collins who are much more like physical upside than like skill level upside, uh, you know, and kind of need that development, like that development kind of gets stunted. Um, and, and I think my counter has been, you got your skill big in Jordan Butler. You went and got that guy. Right. Now, He's gonna. You're gonna have to give him some minutes and get him in to the mix. And it's always tough introducing a freshman to the high major level. But you went and got your skilled big. That guy's there. You know. And I understand that how Missouri wants to play and what they want to do, and you know how much you know they value skill. But to your point, you got that guy, and you've got Jesus Carolero, who can give you some time there. Noah Carter's is a really hyper skilled guy. Like. There's, you've got plenty of skill that you can put in at the five spot. Get a dude that can grab rebounds, block shots, and can play in switch situations. I think that's the thing that, you know, again, Dennis Gates deserves the benefit of the doubt after last season in terms of how he built the roster, but, you know. Well, and he's also, like, he's earned the benefit of the doubt, uh, as far as building this roster, but he's, he's earned patience as well from us. And, and, you know, and I don't think, and I don't think either one of us is going to sit here and be like, you know, it's, it's time to start you know, no. demanding change or anything like that. Um, you know, I do think that, uh, you know, like a, a, a big part of what you've written about was, you know, how important it is to recruit and develop. Yeah. Bigs. Uh, and by all accounts, he's got, you know, two guys that are hitting, you know, grand, you know, Trent Pierce is a little bit more of that three, four hybrid type, uh, type player, but you know, he's, he's like six, nine, six, 10. So he's going to play in the interior. some. uh, Looks don't you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's going to, he, you know, he's going to protect the rep. He's going to do the, those types of things that you want from a big, uh, hopefully get a few rebounds. Um, you know, so both him and Butler coming on, is something where you're sort of, you know, you're planting your flag and saying, okay, like this is our recruit develop guys. What we, you know, what you want to see though, is, is you want to basically see someone who's a little bit more ready to be able to step in, into that role and help them out. Uh, mainly because we, you know, we did see some, uh, you know, like 
when Missouri struggled uh, in games, when when shots weren't falling, like they did, they had no like backline answer to stop things defensively. And it, I think like as much as we wanted the rebounding to be there, I think the one thing that was missing from that team defensively was that sort of backline help. Uh, that once that gamble went wrong, you still had somebody who could protect the rim, and they really had just nobody who could do that. Nope. nope. Didn't have anybody. And no, this is the, like we say, compromise. I don't think Dennis Gates is compromising how he's built this roster at all. I look up and down the 13 guys that are there, you know, right now, and it looks like a Dennis Gates roster. You know, but you need play the way they want to play defensively and to do what they want to do in terms of, you know, ball screen coverages in terms of how they play in passing lanes. You need a guy like a Damian Collins who's a freak athlete who can protect the rim, who can rebound, and, you know, at a very minimum can be a lob threat for you. You know, having that one guy on the roster doesn't mean you've compromised, you know, your sort of aesthetics and your sort of stylistic preferences. You just know that in the SEC... It's a, you know, it's a league that's a downhill league, and the plays are decided at the front of the rim. We know this. It's not a league where shooting is big, where skill's not as great. It's guys want to get in the gap, play straight line, and go to the rack. You need a guy there who can at least rotate over, or at least be an anchor at the restricted area. Missouri doesn't have that right now. It's they just don't have it, or at least a proven option there. And as we've said, prove, a prove it. Now, I, yeah, I think it's it's proven they don't have that, but. Yeah, you look around. There's not, there's not a lot left, and time is waning. So, we'll see what they can do. But it's it at least as we see here right now. I understand why people are fretting because it's it's not looking like a a really great situation. Well, and and yeah, and and also as, as I don't know if this is so much of a defense of some of this is you know it's difficult to know. Um, like, I think we feel pretty good that, you know, the issue with Jimmy Bell was not NIL-related. You know, if if Mississippi State was willing to give him more than what, you know, rumors were sort of circulating that Missouri was offering, then by all means, Jimmy, get your money. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, they, they, by all means, like, gave him a very, very solid uh, offer. And I think that's been the, the sort of, again, a push and pull on our end is, you know, we occasionally hear what numbers are or, you know, somebody like Shirley Donovan will say, oh, I'm hearing it's a money issue for Missouri where it's breaking down. And if that's the case, so be it. You know, Missouri's got to manage its budget and, you know, it's got to keep some in reserve because if it wants to bring Kobe Brown back, it's going to take, you know, even if you get a two-way deal, it's, you know, a two-way deal next year's probably 550000 That's what you're going to have to, that's the floor for what you're going to do to potentially get him back. You know, if that, if, you know, bringing in Jimmy Bell compromises your ability in any way to bring back Kobe Brown, then I'm not paying for Jimmy, I'm not paying for Jimmy Bell. But I do think, like, you know, if you even want to go back to Caleb Love, you know, Caleb Love loves to play in side ball screens and play in zoom action. What does Michigan run a lot of? Side ball screens and zoom actions. What their entire offense was based around last year. It's why Kobe Bufkin is going to go high in the draft potentially because he looked really good in that setting. There's a lot of touches they have there. And, you know, Caleb's not going to have to deal with, you know, a big like Hunter Dickinson or Armando Baycott in the paint. So is money a factor? Sure. But part of the entire composite there 
you know, it's it's enticing. Kane Shedrick, same thing. Maybe money was the ultimate arbiter there, but as I wrote, there you can make a on court case for Texas. You can make an on court case for Matt Cleveland with Miami, and you can make an on court case for Jimmy Bell at Mississippi State. I don't think it's strictly just money that decides these things. You know, I, I do think that there's a, a sort of a matrix there for every guy. What that matrix looks like is different. So we'll see. I think the bigger deal here is, you know, what is Missouri offering, you know, in terms of role, in terms of fit, and, you know, is it really that divergent from what anybody else is offering? We'll see. But I, I, I don't want to be, you know, completely naive and say money is, doesn't matter at all. But I don't want to go so far the other way and say that, you know, it's strictly a matter of dollars and cents. I think every guy that has passed on Missouri as, you know, you could make a, compelling case for where they went outside of the dollars and that's that's a tough thing i think because i think if you want to be reductive and say why aren't we paying enough you know you know what what's it going to cost to override all that other stuff you know all those other factors you're going to pay a premium for that and oh by the way you know is that going to encumber you in keeping kobe brown here you know that's well i think that's like that's that's the thing is is you have to uh you know, and then we've heard different numbers being thrown around, and it's it's hard. And I think I even said this last week, so forgive me if I'm uh, anyone listening, if I'm kind of repeating myself. You know, but it, it's hard for me to to you know quantify, you know, hearing what these numbers that are being kicked around, and meanwhile, like Hunter Dickinson is on a podcast saying he got less than six figures last year. So where is the disconnect when you hear that like? You know, I, I've seen people throw around like six hundred to $750,000 for Matt Cleveland to sign in Miami. Um, you like, if, if that's true, like, Hey, more part to you to get that much money. But like, how, how, how are, how do we know that you're getting all that money? Like if, if that, if that's the offer, like, what is that when this is part of the thing where so much is shrouded in secrecy, we don't really know, but it's hard for me to say, okay, like. I trust that that was Matt Cleveland's offer at Miami when at the same time, like an all American post player at Michigan was, you know, <laughs> so much less. Um, and so like, I think it's one of these things like, okay, like you hear about like Caleb love, for example, I think, you know, there were some rumors flying around that Caleb got like 600,000 from Michigan. Well, how, how is Michigan going to give Caleb love 600,000 when they weren't even paying Hunter Dickinson, you know, a hundred thousand dollars last year. Like, and so like the money thing, you know, and I think it's, I, I do think it is important to a lot of these guys because that, you know, yes, they, the basketball side is important. Yeah. The basketball fit for a lot of these guys can make sense. Um, you know, but like, how do you, how do you know? Like we know that Missouri is, is basically reserving money, uh, in case, Kobe comes back because they want to make sure that they have money for Kobe. And if Kobe's coming back, like, you know, if he comes back and he he's like, well, you know, like you only have 300,000 and I can go into the portal and get 750 from Alabama and I'm going to go into the portal. Like you, you need to be prepared to be competitive there. And I think, you know, by what we've heard, they are. So, it, you know, it's just the money thing is it's important. It's also really difficult to like sift through what's real and not yeah uh, and it's gonna and be I, 
moving forward, like in the state of Missouri, you know, the NIL bill passed last week, which is going to allow high school kids, in-state kids basically to pre-sign NIL before they get to Mizzou, which is great. That allows Mizzou to be up front. But that bill also had provisions to make that a FERPA record. That means it's an educational record. That means the kid has to sign off <laughs> being released. So yeah. good luck knowing. Like, you can't, like, if I go onto the UM system site, I can pull up the salary report and I can tell you what every guy in the basketball program makes, what every staffer makes. And, you know, I can request their contract and I can, you know, I can do that for every public university and I can sit here and I can tell you, I mean, I did it last year for the basketball spending stuff. I can tell you where Missouri ranks in terms of spending on, you know, coaches, where they can spend on recruiting. We can look at all of that and quantify it. And it used to be that was a pretty good metric for, you know, what are, you know, in the correlative metric for success and recruiting and everything else. But NIL is a black box. And if, you know, even in the state of Missouri, if you can't request it, you don't know. So to your point, I think it can become a boogeyman or it can become a thing that you tout. It's just hard to know. And it's a case by case type of basis and what the program wants to spend. And, you know, well, and and I'd also like, you know, to sort of, you know, wrap up at least my side of this uh you know and the point that i was basically trying to make is i don't think that like you know and i saw you know trilly uh is a fairly plugged in account that account uh he she uh they are correct more than uh they're not um tends to be way more correct on like coaching stuff that recruiting stuff recruiting stuff's always hit and miss um but Hinting that the issue at Missouri is money without understanding that, like, Missouri is not going to go in. And at, at the time that Caleb committed, they thought Kobe was coming back. The time Matthew Cleveland committed, they were pretty sure or felt still felt good that Kobe was coming back. At this point, like, we're reading whatever tea leaves we have, and we think it's probably the case that Kobe's going to stay in the draft because it's looking like he's going to be in that top 40 to 45 pick range. If he is, it makes sense to go. But you can't throw, and let's just say $600,000 at Caleb or Matthew Cleveland and not have $600,000 to throw, throw at Kobe Brown if he wants to come back. Like Kobe's better than both those guys. Yeah. And, the- and, and so like, that's, that's what it, what it comes out is like how, like, and, and this balance and why, again, like, you know, I, yes, NIL was a part of the issue with Missouri, maybe not landing some of these guys. Um, but also Missouri is, is taking what they have and, and knowing that, or not maybe knowing, but planning on making sure that, Kobe is a tiger if he comes back and plays college. The other factor, too, and this is the last one I'll wrap up with, and I was going to wrap up with is, as this this is a labor market, and scarcity will drive demand, which will drive price. You know, 300000 on April 1 can buy you something that maybe you can't get on May 1, which you can't get on June 1. Because, look... Every guy that's a big right now that's semi-competent can look around and go, Missouri needs me. They have leverage. You know, it's different, you know, when you go in on the portal and there's on, you know, March 25. And, you know, I've looked at it, There were 30 or 40 bigs you could have looked at and said, 
all right, we can try and sift through it. Like I said, now there's 10. Like, those guys now have more leverage. You know, if they come in, they can say, you know, look, TCU needs me. Villanova needs me. What can you do for me? And then you get into that trade-off situation where it's, okay, is this going to impede us in any way from keeping Kobe? And I think the hard part for, I think, you know, Missouri fans understand is maybe, you know, my perception has always been Missouri's a middle-class program. If you were to look at, you know, just even what TSF gets compared to other institutions or other fan, you know, or other booster groups, it's kind of middle of the pack. Missouri, as an alumni base, is kind of middle of the pack. It's it's just a really hard situation where what capacity does your fan base have to go in and do this? And I, that's not saying Missouri's broke, but it's relative to everyone else. What can you do? So I think it's, it's complex and that sort of thing, whereas I... You know, we'll see what they do. We'll see what, you know, the collective is able to get going in the next couple of years. Maybe this changes. Maybe this lights a fire under people and they want to give more. Maybe you're watching this and, you know, maybe it allows those folks to have a more compelling argument. But, you know, it's May 15. Options are low and those guys have leverage. So they can ask for whatever they want now. And Missouri's got to decide, is it worth paying that or ensuring we have every dollar stashed away to do what you said, which is keep Kobe in Columbia if he wants to come back. So that's, I think that's where we are in, in this point is, you know, weighing those trade-offs. Yeah. And I, I do think we're at the point that like, I would say, so it was Monday, May 15th, uh, recording this Monday evening, uh, the, um, the draft combine is going on, um, currently, uh, Kobe Brown is, is in attendance. I didn't have a great uh, shooting performance, um, you know, but I think sometimes like the private workout stuff is um, is just as important. They want to see, you know, like how he's going to test and, and different drills, um, you know. But we are at a point where we're probably uh, maybe like a week or so away from you know real tangible idea of where Kobe is going to kind of end up. And if he kind of stays in that like top 40, 45 range, um, then he like, at some point, I think he needs to make a decision, you know, prior to the, you know, May 31st. And I think the earlier he makes that decision, the better off for Missouri. Um, if they're sitting back here in two weeks, uh, you know, and, and, you know, still sitting on Kobe Brown's NIL money without, you know, a true center, and and then you know, May thirty first at midnight, Kobe says, oh, "I'm gonna stay in the draft." Like that puts them in a in a bad spot. Um, the the real I I try to avoid speculating as to what Kobe's going to do. I, I think that's a I think they've been caught in a you know a real fluid situation in the front court. You know, you look at the dollars, and since I looked at it today. You know, if you believe the projections for what the cap, for what the rookie minimum is going to be next year, it's $1.1 million. A lot of times that's the base pay for guys who get second-round deals over two to three years. So you're looking at $1.1 over, you know, two to four. So $2.2 to $4 million is kind of a range there. Um, some guys last year, about half the guys in between that 30 to 45 range got two-way deals. That pays half of the minimum salary, so that's looking at 550 there. But a couple of them had those converted 
to full deals and some of them were making four to seven. So to me, the floor is a two-way deal potentially next year, like five to 600. So that's kind of where you are. The league minimum is probably one to 1.2 for that. So 600 to 1.2 annually is where you've got to live if you're Kobe. And, you know, the to me, the question is if you get, if you have a team that says, you know, we're going to go in at three years guaranteed, you know, and even go above the minimum, I, I think you got to go. There's that's 3.3 mil right there on the table. That, and, you know, even if you came back to Missouri and, you know, said, hey, what can you do? I think this week will color it. You know, if he has a really strong week at the combine, it's going to push him in. But, you know, if he's, you know, if he does just enough to the point where he's sitting in that range, you know, but, you know, it was kind of dicey in Chicago to see, say, eh, I don't like this. I'm just going to stay in. Like, I feel like it would have to almost be a catastrophic week for him to want to really tank or you have to show out really poorly in workouts and they're, you know, everything that I've read from people who really follow, you know, the draft and sort of have only been moving him up over the last two months. He's only been moving up boards. We'll see what happens. Maybe something, you know, drives him back in. But if he's in that 30 to 45 range, I think the math is going to get there and the certainty that he'll have with the contract is the one that I would think you have to say. And this is just me talking. I think you would have to look at that and say, love MU, love what I did there, but the economic of this just don't do two three million dollars is two or three million dollars and even even at the age of nil like we aren't seeing that kind of money thrown around um you know at, at least guaranteed and and that's i think that's another thing with a lot of this is is a lot of the nil stuff you know that tends to be like oh well you could make up two up two not yeah it's not, not guaranteed base <laughs> base salary it's and i think that that's that's going to be Something to monitor moving forward is what schools are able to guarantee money up front can say we are liquid to this point versus other schools that said you could get up to this amount. So maybe Missouri can say up to, but another school can say lock stock, you'll have 500K. It, we'll see, but I, I get why people are edgy, but it there's a world, like you said, where you know two weeks from now where they don't have a big and Kobe decides to stay in and you know, you you bet on that roster construction model, and it just didn't hit. You did the work in the backcourt, but the front court is looking a little bit more hollow. So we'll see what they do, but I, I get the anxiety and I get the frustration folks are feeling right now. It's there, it's not going to be a fun two weeks to sort of no. to to bide your time and wait. Yeah. So uh, I, I mean, that's all I've got really to on the the Kobe front. It, if we want to move on, do you want to talk the, uh, about 24s at all? Yeah, we, um, I think I said to you when I came on, I finally, <laughs> I finally feel like coaching staff where I could go look at 24 kids. Um, we're coming off of, I think the third, um, kind of like EYBL period. There are three, basically every shoe circuit does three or four periods during live s- sessions. The first two are usually in April. And those are hard because they overlap. Like staffs have to legitimately decide, are we going to host transfers? Or are we going to send our guys out on the road? Or are we going to designate a staffer to go out? This was the first one, I think, without, um, you know, that was in May. But it was Mother's Day weekend, graduation weekend. So there weren't a lot of coaches out. 
Um, but Missouri player, Missouri targets um, are having kind of a mixed bag. They've each kind of played well at different points this uh, spring. Uh, I think you know, not, not a lot of people would, surprise, would be surprised to hear that John Ball still looks like a flexible rim defender, rim defender, you know, guy who can play in different ball screen coverages and can finish plays at the rim on lops. He can still do that. Um, you know, we're still seeing, you know, Anor Botang, you know, left Arkansas Hawks. He moved to the EYBL, had a really, really great weekend, long, you know, frame, really, really sturdy defender. Uh, first weekend out, averaged uh, looking at 18-6-1 on 52% effective shooting. He had a really nice debut last weekend. Um, Marcus Allen has been pretty good. He's a guy that Missouri and see why I've been on for a while. He's got pretty solid numbers across the board. Um, the three-point shooting numbers aren't great there, but that's because they're shooting in the NBA three-point line, almost four feet back from the high school line, so that leads to some issues. But one guy I really liked, and I, I was able to get through a game today, and that I've been able to see more tape of, like snippets and looking over his numbers, is Dallas Thomas. Um, he's a guy, uh, six nine, Slim Thomas out of Little Rock Parkview. Um, name Missouri into his top five or six, I think. Top five. Six. Six. Top six. Yeah, top six. Um, All Tigers and one Razorback. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, having a really nice spring, putting up 10 points, three boards, and uh, basically an assist and a half in 32 minutes. That's how long UYBL games are. But he's doing that on only 17% usage. Um, he's got a really nice assist-to-turnover ratio and... You know, the BCI that we uh, we use, I apply to players here. He's at 3.5, good shooting numbers. He's had a really, really solid spring so far. Um, Hyper-skilled guy that's fallen a little bit in the rankings. I think he's a little undervalued, but he's had a really nice spring. And another guy for um, BBE, Jordan McCollum, kind of in that 100 to 120 range. You know, again, low usage kind of guy, kind of a weird, funky hybrid. He's had a really nice spring there, so... You know, those are the guys I would sort of say. I, I think if you're looking into the future for kind of the front court, you can feel really good about what John Bowl, Dallas Thomas, and Jordan McCollum have done. And Honor Botang looks still, Honor Botang looks, you know, again, like a potentially really hyper physical wing that they would want to get on board. So it's, I'll, I'll know more when I watch tape, but it was nice to sort of look at numbers and go, oh, guys are doing what we thought they would do. Um, and I'm, we're not going to talk about the 2025s. We're, we're going to, Stay away from 16U for now. I haven't. Yeah, and well, and I did. Uh, I, I imagine they'll probably kick out some 25 offers over like yeah the next uh, month or so. Uh, no, they, but I did kind of cover who I think we all believe is you know the main board uh, of guys that they're looking at for the 2024 class. You know, uh, Honor Batang. I think is kind of the guy that they like a lot. Uh, you know, Thomas. Um, you know, Stevenson, Darren Stevenson, they have uh, had the campus as well. Uh, you know, so there's a there's really not a long list of guys. I feel like this is where they they think um, they're going to have a, a really, really good recruiting class. Uh, it's going to, you know, be on the smaller side, three, four guys top. They yeah. put in the legwork. Um and I think they've zeroed hard uh, in on the guys that they want. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how things go uh, the rest of the summer. But I, I, I think you you like where they're at. I like where they're at. Uh, and I and I think I think their philosophy is matching up 
with uh, the guys they're sort of pursuing. Uh, you have Thomas kind of flashing that he's, you know, really kind of becoming uh, a much better outside shooter is, is promising because, you know, he is sort of a guy that, yeah, he, he's, he's a guy that, you know, we know that they liked a lot early on, um, you know, and, and it, and it's always tough with those Arkansas guys because a lot of them kind of grow up, you know, wanting to be a hog, um, you know, but, uh, but Thomas is kind of in that range where Musk really hasn't prioritized him yet. He's kind of prioritizing, you know, higher ranked guys. And then you see uh, every year him kind of dipping into the portal. So it'd be interesting to see if they can get, you know, him or Botang uh, out of out of Arkansas uh, and signed. Yeah, interesting there. They've, the bull, uh, John Bull cut his list down last week to eight. I think a lot of people there, I think Bull's going to be an interesting case because you know, the skill is going to come way later with him. You know, do you, you know, this is a staff that, you know, if, you know, if you look at who they offer and if you look at who, you know, who they've sort of pursued in the portal and, you know, even at the five, I think, you know, they really, really value skill. And I think Dallas Thomas is a guy that, you know, if, to me, he's kind of an archetypal you know, take for this staff, you know, big, you know, he is long. It was going to need some weight, but there's some skill, there's some polish there. Maybe not the same kind of freak athleticism that you would see, guys in the top 50 but you're going to get some skill and some polish there is that a guy they're going to take john bowl is you know got you know the chassis to go out and be a really really good player you're just going to need some time there is that you know a guy they're going to want jaron stevenson to me i think is sort of the guy they prioritize because you can see the skill a little bit more skill and advanced sort of development with him the jumper has not been quite as great this spring for him and i think he's shooting he's trying to show that he can stretch the floor a bit and it, it hasn't quite panned out yet. But I, I think his, what his he, mechanics look, look really good though. Like they it, look really good. Like, like that's the thing. If, if you watch John Bull shoot the ball, like you understand why he's not uh, shooting the ball all that well from like the yeah. free throw line. But if you, if you watch like Stevenson shoot, like he's, yeah. he's got a promising jumper. And I think it, that's a, that's a guy with a jumper that is going to, it's going to develop. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing with Dallas Thomas, a little bit with Jordan McCollum. So I think you sort of stack it that way. Like you have Stevenson's right here in your top 30-ish guy. Your mid, like, 70 to, you know, your 50 to you know 90 guy is Thomas, and then that sub-100 guy is Jordan McCollum. So if you're sort of looking and staggering down the list, that's the way to go. And then you got Honor Boateng in there at a wing, who's, I think, probably a little bit more of an offensive threat. You know, I think of Marcus Allen. You know, he's getting better. But he's sort of carved out a niche as a defender, rebounder, you know, kind of play finisher type. So that's the best way to sort of think about it is you've got three or four different kinds of bigs. You've got a slashing finisher in Botang, and then you've got kind of a, you know, more of a defensive oriented big or guard in Allen. And really, it'll be interesting to see what they do at the point and combo guard spot. I think when you wrote about it, it was sort of a little bit muddy there, um, you know, what they're going to do with that position. But you can find ball handling and secondary creators in the portal. So maybe they just go out and do that next year. And they've got Anthony Robinson on the roster that they can develop. So we'll see. Anything else you want to head on before we get out of here? No, just if people want to take any sort of medication, it's going to be fine. There's going to be a roster. We're gonna watch it. We're gonna see what it. They're does. gonna field the basketball team next year, and, and they got thirteen and like said, people. They've got enough scholarship. They can give a scholarship to everybody. 
So they've got it. I'm happy one through four. Did you see the the tweet that was circulating? I think Aiden Shaw retweeted it, him like dunking on all kinds of poor guys at the gym. Oh, he's at ninety ten training, and those poor helpers are getting absolutely they're getting they're getting yammed on. Um, I really hope <laughs> Peter's passion. There is there is one at like like Aiden is you know Aiden is an A plus athlete. And that was never in question. But it's sort of funny. Like, he is working on, on his game. Uh, it'd, it'd be great if he takes a leap. Because uh, yeah. there are few people who can get up like that dude. Um, yeah. <laughs> get, well, let's, let's get let's get out of here. Uh, yeah, so we're, uh, we've got uh, stay on track, I guess. Hopefully something happens this week, and we kind of we kind of get some kind of in, uh, inclination on what Mizzou might be looking at for uh, for that that post spot they're still searching for. Uh, but I do want to say we're going to wrap this up. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, if you like this podcast, then you should probably make sure you are subscribed to our podcast feed. If you're watching on YouTube, the subscribe button is below this video. Uh, you just click it right there. Um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, if you're getting the audio-only version. Uh, and then you also get before the box score. So those guys, I believe, are coming back this week uh, to talk things about uh, all all the zoo football stuff. I don't even know what's going on. What's going on with those, those guys? They're they're adding, adding some transfers. Um, Brady Cook, maybe still the quarterback. I don't know. Uh, that's it. Follow him on Twitter at Matt J. Harris. Follow at Data Mizzou. Uh, he's he's quippy and fun. Uh, you can follow me if you want at Sam T. Snelling. Uh, we'll be there, and we'll be back next week with more of this uh, this Cut stuff. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in.